Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Home Run Apple Sources Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'll be joined by the rest of the guys in a couple moments, but first we're just going to run down real quick how the Mets affiliates did this week. Uh, Syracuse Mets first up, they played the Columbus Clippers, the Cleveland Guardians AAA affiliate, they don't play them too much, and Syracuse went 3-2 and two against them with one game just outright canceled because of rain. So that brings their second half record to 16 and 27. So they are 11 and a half games behind the Durham Bulls for first place. And they are nine and a half games ahead of the Charlotte Knights, the White Sox affiliate for last place. Uh, the Charlotte Knights are the worst team in all of organized affiliated minor league baseball. They have an eight and 36 record. That is really bad. So thankfully, as long as they exist, um, Syracuse will at least not be in the cellar. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies, they played the Portland Sea Dogs this week. And coming off of their series against the Somerset Patriots the week before, they needed a strong week to make up some of the ground and wrestle back first place from the Somerset Patriots. And unfortunately, Binghamton did not have that strong week. They didn't have a bad week either. They split the series with Portland 3-3. So that leaves them right where they were when they began the series, right where they began the Portland series. They are at 500. They are 22-22. and 22, And they are now two and a half games behind the Patriots. The Brooklyn Cyclones, they played the Hudson Valley Renegades, and they had a rare losing week. They went 2-4 and four against the Renegades. Uh, Jersey Shore, the Blue Claws, they've been on fire in the past month. They are, they are seven and three in their last ten games, and they're twelve and five in August in general. So, they caught up to Brooklyn. Uh, both teams, they are tied for first place. They're both twenty-eight and twenty. So this upcoming week, um, hopefully Brooklyn does good and Jersey Shore does not. Brooklyn is going to be playing the Asheville Tourists. Tourists are 19 and 29, and they're last in the South Atlantic League South. And the Blue Claws are going to be playing the Wilmington Blue Rocks, and the Blue Rocks are in last place in the South Atlantic League North. So 
at least for this week, it looks like neither team is going to have a uh, advantage in terms of who they're playing. St. Lucie Mets, they played the Jupiter Hammerheads, and it was yet another losing week for them. Uh, they dropped the series two games to four, so that leaves them at 15-33 and 33 in the second half. And that is not just worst in the Florida State League, but that's the worst in all of single-A baseball. And it is the second worst in all of affiliated minor league baseball, except for the aforementioned Charlotte Knights, who are the worst in general. So, again, thank God the Charlotte Knights exist. And speaking of thank God they exist, the FCL Mets. And they went 1-4 and four this past week, and that brings them to... 31 and 18 on the year and they clinched the florida complex league east and they are going to be advancing to the florida complex league playoffs all right so the fcl is relevant here uh, a couple of weeks ago around the beginning or or middle of june um the bunch of us we highlighted uh, a couple of players in the dominican summer league and in the Florida Complex League that we liked, that we thought were either going to get some helium this year and establish themselves as, you know, guys to know, or boost their standings and turn into, like, legit prospects or become even more legit prospects. So, year's basically over. Uh, so, now's a good time, I think, to take a look back and check on how all those players have done so far. So that's what we are going to do this week. So the first guy I'm going to talk about now is the player in the DSL that I wanted to highlight, Julio Zayas. And so far he's appeared in 48 games for them, the DSL Mets Orange. Uh, he was named to the DSL All-Star team, and he is currently hitting 310, 372, 523, with 14 doubles, one triple, seven home runs, one stolen base in two attempts, and 15 walks to 26 strikeouts. So, tremendous season. Um, I've been digging into available DSL StatCast data, and all of that is pretty positive as well. It It's a time-consuming process, and the data that I am able to get my hands on isn't always necessarily... Um, usable but in the limited data that i have so far uh, he's recorded multiple exit velocities over 100 miles per hour um i have one data point you know just the other day 101 miles per hour uh ev uh, home run for example uh another one was 101.3 uh, a ground ball that he scorched for a single so we like to see you know for someone so young he's he's 17 the the, the Benchmark, you know, is like about 90 or so if they're able to hit over 90 mile per hour exit velocities for someone that young, that's good. So we are hitting hundreds, that's excellent. Um, also, good data in terms of his launch uh, angle. Again, small sample size, but they are pretty tightly bunched in that, you know, 10 to 30 degree range that generally results in, you know, line drive extra base hits, singles, whatever, but um, not basically not too many balls with negative launch angles that are being corkscrewed into the ground or like the crazy high ones that basically are easy can of corn pop-ups. So everything um, that 
could have gone well for Julio Zayas' season so far has gone well. So coming into the year, I think he was a guy that was basically on nobody's radar. And now when the season is complete, you know, in, in a couple of weeks, couple of days, couple of weeks, I don't know that he's going to be on anyone's top 25 prospect lists, but he's definitely, um, you know, a name to know. Next guy um, I'm going to talk about is Yohaira Cuevas. He started out the season with the FCL Mets, but then he got promoted to the St. Lucie Mets around the end of July. So with the FCL Mets, he appeared in 23 games, and he hit 310, 444, 578, with three doubles, two triples, four home runs, seven stolen bases, and eight attempts, and 18 walks to 21 strikeouts. So clearly deserved that promotion. Uh, his time with St. Lucie... So far now, which has been a couple of weeks, has not been as fruitful, but there is some stuff to to like, as we'll discuss, as I'll discuss in a little bit. Uh, in 10 games so far, St. Lucie, he is currently hitting 189, 302, 324, with two doubles, one home run, two stolen bases in as many attempts, and five walks to 12 strikeouts. So, uh, with Cuevas... We have some stack-ass data, and that um, th- those underlying numbers are encouraging. Um, he is averaging <clears throat> 87.5 miles per hour on his exit velocity, which, you know, like I said before, um, 90 is like the benchmark that you want to see for good. So that's basically bordering on, on good. And he has a high water mark so far of 106.2 miles per hour. So we like that. Um, on singles, he's basically, he's averaging 86.6 miles an hour. And on extra base hits, which right now consists of two doubles and a home run, he's averaging uh, 101.2 miles per hour. Um, unfortunately, the launch angles are all over the place. A lot of negatives, meaning, you know, he's on top of the ball and hitting into the ground. Or a lot of, you know, those crazy high, high angles, meaning that he's under it and popping it up. Um, you know, like straight up, but not enough forward momentum to make it like hits fly balls into hits or anything like that so he is still just 19 uh he turns 20 at the end of excuse me the middle of september he is about two years younger than league average in the florida state league so you know it is what it is and i forget who it was i think it was data that i i uncovered not accidentally but i was not expecting i think it was ronnie mauricio's data that i found a couple of years ago and noticed it but guevas has some pretty pronounced day night splits um he's got a 817 ops in three games and 10 at bats in day games and he has a 554 ops in seven games 27 at bats you know night games Obviously, you know, we're talking about 10 games here. It's really small sample size. But, um, you know, when you think about it, same thing like Mauricio. Again, I think it was Mauricio, but, um, you know, same thing applies. Not used to playing at night. Uh, Even though Cuevas doesn't have the usual Dominican international signee background. um, Again, he is from the Bronx. Uh, He played for a Catholic school over there in Highbridge. Uh, You know, it's not the same as growing up in the Dominican and, and playing there. But, you know, the PSL, they don't they don't play night games. I think the latest that they start is like 5 o'clock. So 
in early mid-june you know there's still sunlight at like 7 seven thirty. so playing in the not in the dark but playing under lights is a new experience for him so interesting that um that kind of stuff does pop up it does affect players and same thing like Zayas, I don't think that Cuevas is going to be a name that pops up on anybody's top 25 lists, but he is, you know, he was, I think, a name to be aware of, if nothing else, just for the fact that he is, you know, a native New York kid. Um, but, you know, he's he's had a good season, all things considered, regardless of how he does in the rest of the year with St. Lucie, so he's definitely just a name to be aware of, if nothing else. And the final guy that I wanted to, that I'm going to talk about right now, the only pitcher on my list is Jonathan, right-handed pitcher who was drafted in the seventh round of the draft last year. Um, he was assigned to the FCL Mets. He didn't actually get into his first game until like a month or so after the FCL season started due to some undisclosed but likely minor injury-related issues. And the Mets have been very hands-off with him. They've been pretty conservative with him. And basically, he only throws a couple of innings at a time, like once a week. So in total, he has appeared in seven games now. And he's thrown a total of 12.2 innings. So that basically comes out to like an inning plus per outing. Um, but in his last two starts, he's actually thrown you know three innings. So that's good. They're letting him go a little bit more. And he's you know possibly building up a little more stamina. In total, um, he's earned nine. He's allowed nine earned runs in total. So that comes out to a 639 ERA. Um, he's allowed nine hits in total. He's walked 13 batters in total. And he struck out 25 batters in total. Um, convert into per nine stats. You know, just for context, that is a 6.4 hits per nine, which is pretty good. Uh, 9.2 walks per nine, <laughs> which is pretty bad. And a 17.8 strikeouts per nine, which is insanely good. But that's just for context. Um, you know, those per nine stats don't really matter because we're literally talking about like 12.2 innings. So they're really, he's barely gotten per nine. And even that aside, just none of the stats really matter. Again, it's limited innings, limited outings. He's a 20 year old with very little prep experience pitching because he's from Canada and and immigrated to the U.S. in his senior season, you know, to get drafted. So, you know, it, it is just the stuff, the baseball tools, whatever that, that we're, we're interested in. And I, I like Tang last year out of the draft, and the stuff still looks good. Um, fastball sits in the mid-90s, like 94-96. He complements it with an absolute hammer of a 12-6 curveball um, that sits in like the high 70s. And then he also has low 80s changeup that's not great. But again, like I said, he's he's a 20-year-old with not a lot of prep um, experience to begin with. And regarding that changeup, you know, he, he got outs with it last year when he was pitching the MLB Draft League. He was getting outs with it against college hitters. So if nothing else, you know, there is potential there. Um... So part of the reason why he has such, I mean, it's hard not to immediately see this number, uh, but part of the reason why he has such a high walk rate and a high strikeout rate are his mechanics, which I've said in the past, um, they look like if Roy Halladay and Tim Limsicum, if their windups had a baby. That's basically Jonah Tong's, um, 
mechanics. And when you think about it, you know, the age and where he's from and everything like that, yeah, it does kind of make sense. Um, he has a huge stride like Lincecum. He throws from a really high three quarters, pretty much almost completely over the top release point. Um, so the control and command is not great. Um, the other part of why he has such a high walk rate and, and a high striker rate are the underlying um, spin data on his pitches. His fastball has a, a very high spin rate, a very high vertical um, break. Uh, curveball, it's been clocked as high as 2,800 RPM, which is which is plus for a curveball. It has massive drops. So his pitches have a lot of movement. And, you know, when you're that young and with a with mechanics like his, you know, I'm not going to say he has no clue where everything is going, but there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of moving parts in his windup to begin with. And then his pitches themselves, they just have a lot of movement naturally. So... A lot going on, a lot to get under control, but it's something to work on in the future. Uh, Tang, as as I record this right now, he literally was. It was just announced that he was promoted to St. Lucie, so we should start getting some more regular Statcast data on his pitches, which I'm I'm excited for. Uh, over the season last year, I ranked him as the Mets' 18th top prospect. At this point, um, I don't know if I would have him ranked in the top 25 at all, and if I did, it definitely would not be as high as 18. Um, Not anything that he did wrong, but just the minor league system, the Mets minor league system in general right now is so much stronger than it was over the winter, so Tong is gonna drop on my list, Um, not, you know, through through no fault of his own, just, you know, um, the it's a it's a rising tide for the Mets system as a whole, so he has not done enough to you know keep up. But there's still obviously ton of potential there, and he could blow the blow the roof off next year. And knock on wood, hopefully he does. Hey everyone, it's Ken, and uh, today I'm going to give a couple updates on our DSL, Dominican Summer League, and uh, FCL, Florida Complex League, uh, uh, follows. <clears throat> uh, so the first guy that I want to talk about was my first follow, uh, Willie Thanis. Uh, big bonus baby from, um, I believe, 2022? Yeah, 2022. Um, and generally speaking, he's he's held his own in the complex so far this year. Uh, he's currently hitting 254, 322, 433. Uh, a little below league average, but you know, within a shout of league average. Um, encouraging signs. He's walking almost 10% of the time. Um, he's got an ISO above 150. And that's, you know, in about 150 or so at-bats. Uh, the bad news is he's striking out about 30% of the time uh, in the complex, which, um, you know, is not ideal. But with all of these guys, keep in mind, they're all extremely young players, and uh, there's plenty of, you know, time for them to develop. He's only 19, Fannis. Um, but there's, so there's plenty of time for him to develop and to continue to grow. And... Um, you know, to improve on some of these things. Uh, so the next guy I wanted to talk about is uh, Simone Juan. 
another very large bonus uh, from the 2022 signing period. And uh, things have, generally speaking, not gone particularly well for, for Mr. Mr. Wan. Uh, so in about 145 or so at be- uh, played appearances, he is hitting 217, 292, 302 with the FCL Mets, the Florida Complex League Mets. Uh, that's well below league average, somewhere around a, a 60 WRC+. And um, he's really... Hasn't been hitting, uh, hasn't been making enough contact. It hasn't been hitting for much power when he has been making contact. And, um, you know, just really struggling. Uh, again, as we said with Fanis, uh, he's an extremely young player. He's 17, so, um, you know, it's worth keeping in mind. He's significantly younger, even at the complex level, than the players he's playing against. And it's also worth keeping in mind that, um, the jump from the Dominican Summer League to the Florida Complex League, just in terms of like life events, uh, you know, for a lot, most of these guys, it's their first time living in the United States. Uh, most of them don't really speak the language. Uh, it's a really, really difficult transition to make. One of the most trans, uh, difficult, um, for guys to make on their way up the organizational ladder. That being said, this is pretty close to his line from last year in the DSL. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, he certainly has talent. Um, you know, we all kind of knew he was a little more raw than you'd think he, than you'd think a guy of his, you know, who got a bonus the size of his, um, would be. But, um, you know, still very, very early in his career and, uh, again, like, <laughs> like we said with Fanis, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, and then for the DSL, I chose Anthony Baptiste, another, um, you know, high bonus pick or bonus signee, um, from last year's signing bonus period. And, uh, Baptiste has performed pretty well in the Dominican Summer League. In about 130 plate appearances, he's hitting 277, 423, 465. Obviously, stats in the DSL. It, it, the Florida Complex League, to um, to an extent, are more or less meaningless, but that's a pretty good line. That's an 888 OPS. Um, he's stolen 11 bases, been caught six times, but stolen 11 bases, and uh, he's almost one to one with his walk to strikeout ratio: 23 walks against 27 strikeouts. Um, you know, he's hitting for some power. Uh, lots of good things. Uh, in, in Mr. Uh, Baptiste's, uh, you know, stat, uh, stat profile right now. So I'd imagine he probably comes stateside next year. The Mets like to bring guys stateside in their first, uh, taste of pro ball. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, what we hear about him. You know, once he comes stateside and, and public facing, out, uh, prospect coverage outlets, uh, you know, can get eyes on him. Uh, it'll be nice to hear things that aren't, you know, directly from the team that uh, employs him. So, pretty excited for that. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's my DSL and FCL uh, update. And, uh, yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. 
Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, uh, Lucas here. I'm going to go through my uh, follow picks from the DSL and FCL Mets roster. Um, but there's one problem. I wasn't here when we did that recording, so I have no picks. Now, uh, uh, I'm going to leverage this for one of my names and pick someone that the Mets traded for. Um, but I didn't want to cheat too much and, and take only guys that had been drafted or, or traded for. Uh, so my second name will be someone that was within the organization when this uh, uh, original uh, segment was recorded by the rest of the guys. Uh, but, and you can probably guess who I'm going to talk about, uh, the first guy I'm going to talk about is Jeremy Rodriguez. Uh, Rodriguez was the shortstop prospect from the Diamondbacks that the Mets received in the Tommy Pham deal. And... We've talked about him being very much a wait-and-see uh, type asset. Uh, DSL data isn't typically public. Um, and there are ways to get it, of course, and you can ask around and find stuff, or someone will just post it on Twitter eventually. But at the time of the deal, uh, we really didn't have much information on Rodriguez beyond his uh, Baseball America scouting report, which had him as like a good, polished hitter, Maybe not the most power upside, pretty safe bet to stick at the position, as safe a bet as anyone could be at 17. Um, and he received uh, the largest or second largest bonus in the Diamondbacks pool um, during last year's signing period, so or uh, this January signing period, rather. Um, so so that, that, that was really what we were working off of. And the point I made at the time was that we could make some uh, uh, assumptions about the kind of player he is, given the description of him from these amateur scouting reports, and also the type of player the Mets were clearly targeting, right? And the, the proxy we used, or at least that I used, was Marco Vargas. Now, to be clear here, I don't think, I'm not comping Rodriguez to Vargas at all. My point is that Vargas is indicative of what the Mets seem to be valuing now. Good contact in zone, really high-end swing decisions, uh, and a dude who uh, is going to need to see their... Or is going to need to see power games to become like a really elite hitting prospect. Um, but as a middle infielder, is extremely exciting, as is. Um, but again, we were in wait-and-seed mode on Rodriguez. It was, will we get to be excited about this dude? Um, folks, it's time to be excited about this, dude. Since being acquired, and this is 12 games in the DSL, which is to say a, a nearly meaningless sample, but since then, he is hitting 375, 500, 675, walking in a fifth of his plate appearances, striking out in 8% of them, and running a 200-weighted runs created plus. He's gone deep once, so the power still isn't totally here. 
Like that, that's, that's the reality, unfortunately, at this point. Um, and extra base hits wise, I can count these up real quick. He has what? Three triples and a, a, a couple doubles. So there's still not a ton of extra base pop here. But the dude, these are all the markers of high-end swing decisions and in-zone contact. This is what it looks like, right? This is the stat line that you expect from that profile. And to 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 that point, his cumulative line on the season now in the DSL, uh, if I can get this to cooperate with me, is he's batting 278, 398, 451. That's an 850 OPS. He's walking more than he's striking out. He has a 130 weighted runs created plus in the DSL so far this year. Um, and then if we cross-reference that with what Marco Vargas did in the DSL last season, uh, Marco Vargas hit 319, 421, 456. That's a 140 weighted runs created. Plus, again, slightly more walks than strikeouts. It's not dissimilar is what where we're at, right? We're at a point where he's a little bit He's still light on the average and, and the on-base percentage. The offensive environment's a little bit lighter in the DSL this year, at least for, by WRC plus corrections. Um, but he's he's demonstrating exactly what we assumed were the underlying skills. I would not be surprised if we are stuffing this guy close to the top 10 this offseason um, or now that might be a little aggressive. Uh, perhaps it's better to say that I would not be surprised if there's a real temptation to do that, to push him as high as we can get him. And look, we've been burned by DSL names in the past. Plenty of them are on the FCL Mets roster right now, right? We could talk about Jesus Baez, who is hitting not anything particularly impressive. Let's see. Jesus Baez has a 76 way to runs created plus in the complex this year. Um, Simon Juan has been very disappointing. Willie Fanyas has been the best of the bunch, and he has a 94 weighted runs created plus. Um, the other shortstop that we all thought might be something, Sar- Sarmiento, uh, hasn't been particularly impressive either. So, it's it, you can get burned by this profile, no doubt. Uh, Sarmiento has a 31 weighted runs created plus in the complex, so he's just been bad. Um, but I think the Mets have demonstrated enough improvement in their ability to scout and evaluate these guys by whatever means they're they're doing it, and I'm sure they're looking at the data. That I I almost want to give them the benefit of the doubt here, and I'm I'm buying in on what this dude looks like, right? If this is a player similar to Marco Vargas with better shortstop defense, which all the scouting reports suggest he has. Now those are amateur reports; who knows what's changed? But if he if he's a similar player to Marco Vargas who will stick at shortstop that's very quickly approaching top 100 prospect status uh, come this time next year. All right, and this, and I'm speaking as someone who already would push Marco Vargas pro- close to the top 50 in baseball. It, it's time to get excited about this guy. Um, it would have been maybe nice if the Mets had grabbed a flyer reliever or something else in that fam deal. The offensive market was certainly lighter than the pitching market, but... Uh, I, I, I think there's a, a, a real chance that we're celebrating this as one of their 
um, uh, uh, bigger steals of this deadline. That's not to say the best steal, right? Like they they got legitimate top hundred, top fifty prospects for uh, bigger names, but this is gonna look a lot better. Uh, within 12 to, to 18 months, I think, and we'll be thanking Tommy Pham very much for his service and his utility as a trade asset. Um, so yes, that was the guy I definitely cheated on because he was not in the organization when everyone else selected their uh, follows. Uh, the other name was, uh, so that is Franklin Gomez. Gomez, I'm sure many of you, uh, if you're a sicko to, enough of a sicko to listen to this sort of podcast, I'm sure you saw the various tweets from the Mets, uh, affiliated accounts and, and other websites about Franklin Gomez's stateside debut. Four innings, seven strikeouts, one hit, one earned run, one walk, one wild pitch. Um, dude came out and shoved. And I'm, I do not have the data on on Franklin Gomez. Uh, he was excellent in the DSL, but we, we don't like scouting DSL stat lines without context. I was fascinated by him because I watch uh, uh, that clip uh, or the clips of him in the FCL game, and I immediately thought he looked like Johnny Cueto. Again, not a player comp. Uh, this, not even a stuff comp because I don't know that Gomez's changeup is particularly effective and that was Johnny Cueto's, uh, bread and butter for years. But, uh, uh, you'll notice that he messes with timing a lot in a very fun way. He'll hold that leg really still and wait. Uh, he has the funny post pitch antics where he'll switch, swing around and throw his arms up in the air. He really does look like Johnny Cueto on the mound. Johnny Cueto uh, has 30 career war, by the way, 32. Uh, now, he's been horrible this year. He's negative 0.3 war this year for the Marlins. But he's had a long, successful career peaking as uh, a high-end number two starter, a number one starter for, for a couple years in there. Um also a shorter lefty, and that's what Gomez is as well. He's only six feet tall. Right now, he's weight is listed as 145 pounds. I think he already looks a little bit heavier than that, um, in a, in a fine way. Like 145 is way too light. I'm also pretty confident he's probably shorter than six feet. So just based on the body, the handedness, the style of pitching, the Antics is the wrong word because it has a negative connotation, but the the mannerisms on the mound, I see Johnny Cueto, and that's really fun. I am in no way suggesting that Franklin Gomez is going to be Johnny Cueto. He's probably not even a top 30 prospect in the system at this point. I might shove him at 25 just because it'll be fun, and you can do whatever you want in that range um, when we do our off-season list. Uh, but it's always cool seeing guys who very well might be imitating like this this is one of those moments where as a I mean I'm 27 now and to me the idea that someone would have grown up watching Johnny Cueto and is only now reaching the the complex league as a professional is frightening but also probably accurate um so I mean that's that's pretty cool to see guys who were greats when when I was younger, now being imitated by a, another wave of of, uh, of players. So 
he's he's like entrenched in personal cheese ball uh, uh, status for me. The results have been excellent as well. I mean that that counts for something. Um, and I'm I'm hopeful that there's there's a fun little arm here, and uh, I'm gonna be poking around. I did not have the time to do it for for this segment, but I'll be poking around to see if anyone has actual scouting reports or, or data on him because uh, I sure would like it for him to be good. It'd be it'd be a hell of a lot of fun. Um, should I, I also completely, I've gone off my script here, but I'll note that he was also a $10,000 signing and is only 18. So this is like one of those no-name dudes you signed to fill out the back of your DSL roster, much like Marco Vargas was. Um, maybe we're watching a breakout in real time. Maybe this is like an actually interesting arm that's appearing out of nowhere uh, that the Mets have either stumbled upon or, or developed or just gotten lucky. And uh, for all we talk about... Uh, legitimate development process and that being important to improving your farm, there is an element of luck, right? Sometimes you, you sign a dude who is nothing and he becomes something or he just never got a chance. So uh, I'm very intrigued here. I'm hopeful we'll have a strong rest of the season uh, for the Complex League and uh, will be talked about as an interesting arm next year who will uh, uh, get some more stateside run. Uh, right, so those are my uh, two low minors follows. All right, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. And you could follow us on Twitter and shoot us some questions there. I am at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And a reminder, we are Patreon-based, so if you do like our podcast, or if you like any of the other ones that are in the Homer and Apple Network, you can subscribe for just the low, low cost of $5 a month. So we will be back next week, and until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.